You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. So a fatal event at the Seattle City Hall Park, it's right next to the King County Courthouse, stirs questions about suspects release on bond. Should we have released him on bond? It doesn't appear so. But what's interesting is he already had another one of these events earlier on and we released him anyway. And this is one of those stories where I've been talking about it's going to take something really bad to have happen. Maybe something terrible to have happen to a judge or somebody of that hierarchy in nature to have this homeless encampment next to the King County courthouse cleared out because it's rough. We're just hearing more and more stories about it. And it's just a rough, rough homeless encampment. I walked past it um, several months ago, and I've commented about it. And I was like, I didn't even really film it. I put my GoPro on my hand and kind of walked past. But I wanted to book it past that encampment because it just was not where I wanted to hang out and have a picnic lunch on the park bench. Not that kind of park. And yet it's literally up against the side of the King County Courthouse. That is what's going on. City of Seattle doing nothing about it. Having events like this happen, uh, a fatality in the park from one of the encampment members. That's what we're reading about here today. Why are we covering this on a real estate podcast? Because this is indicative of some of the policies that City of Seattle has right now. And also, cities in general that have had homelessness issues with the whole CDC thing where you can't sweep in homeless encampments, it's really gotten out of control. And we're facing situations like this. And I keep on saying, hey, it's going to get worse until it gets better. You're going to have to have events like this. And somebody unfortunately is, you know, somebody else is probably going to get taken out before they really do something They're like, Oh, we only had one, you know, fatality, we need at least a handful to really, you know, set things in motion. It seems like that's literally and I kind of make fun. But it's horrible when somebody loses their life. And I make fun of that. But what I'm making fun of is, is it it takes such a large event, such an atrocity have happened, somebody to lose their life before we actually do anything. Seems like that's what's going on here in Seattle. All right. So if you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies. I own a real estate brokerage and I own a real estate appraisal company, but I read the news. Let's do that. Let's read the news. Enough of the chit chat. Questions are being raised about the man who admitted to police that he had killed another homeless man at an encampment located in the park next to the King County Courthouse. This has always been a head scratcher for me because you've got judges, attorneys, bailiffs, you know, security guards, all those guys in the courthouse. They're all right next door <clears throat> to this encampment that I think is probably the most dangerous encampment in the city of Seattle. It's right next to the courthouse. It makes no sense. And yet, it just continues on. Michael Sadejo had been accused of assaulting another man at City Hall Park in April, but was released from jail after a bail reform group paid his bail. I think these bail reform groups should be outlawed. I really do. I think bail is there for a reason. And this storyline is a pretty good reason as to why those bail reform groups, they, I, I don't think they help society. I really don't. According to court documents, Sadejo admitted to police after his arrest Thursday that he had killed Bradley Arable after the two men had fought. 
He allegedly told police that he was trying to strangle Arable when the victim possibly used a box cutter to slash at Sadejo's back and neck. This is the kind of violence going on right next to the King County Courthouse, right next to it. So if you have if you have any kind of event that requires you to go to the courthouse, this is what you're probably most likely going to have to go. You're going to have to deal with it one way or the other. Sadejo told police he had pulled a knife from his sock and stabbed Arable multiple times, including what Sadejo believed was a fatal thrust into the victim's chest. Police said in the documents that Sadejo showed no remorse for his actions, that only God could judge him. But that was not the first assault Sadejo had been accused of committing at the camp in the park. On April 21st, he was arrested for assaulting Richard Weisgerber, who was homeless himself, but was taking pictures of tents at the park to document the plight of the unsheltered. Now, I I think I read that story or I made note of that story at that time last April. And I believe he was referred to as formerly homeless. I'm not sure if he was still homeless, but he just takes pictures and they stole his camera. They beat him up and they stole his camera in the city park next to the King County Courthouse. So this type of behavior is going on all the time. This is not this is not a one-off. This is not a shocker. Everybody's like, well, that makes sense. It's just one of those rough, rough encampments. He threw me on the ground, Weisgerber said, of the assault that left him bloodied with a swollen face. He's punching me in the eye. And even though he's punching me in the eye, a second guy came up and between the two of them, they stole my camera. Later, Sadejo allegedly struck Weisgerber's legs with a stick when he tried to get his camera back. What followed has some raising questions about the state of our current criminal justice system. That's the reason I'm reading this story, because it's like, uh, this is wildly out of control. And there's really no justice here for anybody involved. Sadejo would have would be eventually would eventually be released from jail after judges reduced the bail amount prosecutors wanted. What we asked for is this person to be held in jail because we believed he was going to commit another violent act, said Casey McNurthany, spokesperson for the King County Prosecutor's Office. Folks didn't agree with us, and unfortunately, he got out and killed a guy. Unfortunately, he got out and killed a guy. I mean, unfor- yeah, un- very unfortunate. I mean, that, that, is, that is such an understatement. And that's the spokesperson for the King County Prosecutor's Office. How would you, like you like to be this guy's family? Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. No, it's horrific. It's horrific. And we know what's going on in that encampment. Sweep it out. And if people are whacking on each other, Put them in jail for a while. That's my thought. But no, that's not what we're doing. Prosecutors, here is what we're doing. Prosecutors had asked for Sadejo to remain in jail with bail set at $50,000. All right. Sadejo is homeless and told police he had been living at the camp for a year. King County District Court Judge Joe Campa reduced this bail to $20,000. All right. So we went from fifty. dollars to 20. During his arraignment for second degree robbery and fourth degree assault, King County Superior Court Judge Melinda Young reduced the bail to $5,000. Why are we letting this guy out again? Remind me, why are we letting him out? And does this not seem just crazy to you? This is what's happening every single day in the city of Seattle. And this is why We've got a bunch of Looney Tune criminals running around our streets. 
The next day on May 6th, Northwest Community Bail Fund, a nonprofit organization, posted the $5,000 cash bail and Sadejo was released from jail. Now, who does that benefit? This guy being released. Who, 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 benef- who benefits here? So how is the Northwest Community Bail Fund serving the Northwest community in any way, shape, or form? How does this help? No one from the group behind the fund uh, responded to inquiries from Como News about their involvement. Shocking. Shocking. According to their website, the organization said it is a nonprofit group that advocates for bail reform and covers the bail expense for poor people who would otherwise spend pretrial time in jail. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this guy probably should have done some pretrial time in jail before his hearing or whatever he had coming up. I mean, that's where he belongs. You're doing this stuff to other people. You belong in jail. That's where you belong. Whether you're poor or not, you've broken the law. You belong in jail. This is our worst nightmare, said Jim Rogers, the presiding judge for King County Superior Court. Really, we just need action now. Yes, you do. City of Seattle needs to sweep that bad boy out. And for those living in the encampment doing this kind of stuff that has made it with the reputation that it has, put those guys in jail. Don't reduce their their bond, their, their bail from 50 to 20 to 5 so somebody can come in. Ah, oh, you're out now. Welcome to the outside world. We know you're going to do better this time. Oh, you didn't? Oh, geez. Why'd you have to go and do that? I mean, what do people say? I told you so? That just doesn't help anybody. For months, judges and court staff have been complaining about the camp as a source of crime, drug dealing, prostitution, and assault, both physical and verbal on court staff and jurors. Jurors. That's another one. Let's talk about that for a second. Oh, jury duty. You want it, You want people to be scared of, you know, doing their jury duty? This is one way to do it. I got to walk past what? This this is a no-go. It's, it's not a very big area, and I've spent a fair amount of time around this area. And if you don't know my history, I was mainly an appraiser for years and years and years, going back to the mid and late 80s. I was still in school. And um, as I got older, I ended up uh, testifying as a professional witness in a number of cases. Just you need you know somebody who can talk about an appraisal. Maybe I go out and do an appraisal for a lawsuit in the process. And um, if if you've stood up in court as a professional witness enough, you kind of get to that point where you realize, all right, I know more about appraising than either one of these attorneys and the judge combined. So I'm going to be okay if I just if my appraisal is good and I know what I'm talking about. I refresh myself with the case before, you know, I go in to um, do the whole, do you swear to tell the truth, nothing but the truth and the whole truth? Yeah, I do. Um, if, if you realize that you've got to have all your ducks in a row before you go in and do that, it's not that bad of a gig. You get paid really well and um, you got to find out what you're made all about. Because when you have opposing counsel just going right up your rear end, that is when you're like, oh, oof, maybe I shouldn't have put that comment in the appraisal. <laughs> You know, that's how you learn is on the stand as a professional witness. Oh, yeah, next time, probably won't be opening myself up with that comment. But, um, you know, I spent a fair amount of time in, at this courthouse. And then in my divorce, which it lasted 18 months, um, I spent even more time there. So I know this block of Seattle pretty well. And when I walked past it, this last 
football playoff season. That's the only time I can reference it as because there was a major football uh, game going on. I don't even remember what it was. It wasn't relevant because I was walking around the streets of Seattle. So I can have this talk with you. Um, I walked past this park and I was like, geez, that is rough. It's rough. And, you know, if I can, I hadn't seen this park in probably years, maybe five, six years. It was the last time I would have testified um, as a professional witness or, you know, been involved in a in an appraisal and testifying as, um, you know, on one side or another, maybe even a divorce case. I did a bunch of divorce cases, had some just crazy divorce cases where people just went at each other, um, you know, and people with a bunch of money and they got a bunch of houses and they want you to appraise them and husband wants it low because he's going to get the houses and the wife wants it high because she's going to get cashed out. Just this, you know, it's a war. It's divorce. Divorce is a war. Um, and so, you know, I got used to going down there and looking at this, at being at the, uh, at the courthouse and having the park. It was just a park. It's just a park next door. Um, it's got some park benches, got some trees, it's got some grass, but now it's got a whole bunch of tents and it's got some really violent people there. So because the camp is located at City Hall Park and is the responsibility of Seattle City Hall, Rogers wants the city to immediately clear the camp because yeah you've got you've got judges you've got jurors you got court staff you've got attorneys what's it going to take to get something like this cleared out probably somebody else to be either assaulted or lose their life unfortunately that seems to be the modus of operandi in seattle it needs to happen right now before somebody else is killed he says that's kind of where i've been this whole time it's like what what more do we need to have happen for the city of Seattle to step up and go, all right, clear out that one. That was a bad one. But so many of these encampments, they have, you know, in a 60 day period, they'll have 30, 40, 911 calls. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible because when it gets bad, it gets bad. And then you'll have fire calls. You have the fire department out there because you have fires because nylon and flames don't do well, believe it or not. Shocking. I know. Email requests about the camp's immediate future to the office of Mayor Jenny Durkin were not immediately answered. Mayor's got a lot going on. And just, you don't want to say, hey, this is why she can't get to everything, but she can't respond to one one article. But the author has to uh, put that out there. So what will it take? What will it take? What, what, what do you predict it'll take for some of these homeless encampments to get swept I mean, how bad does it have to get? We, we just have these situations go on and on and on until literally something like this happens. We've got the homeless encampment up in Seattle, Broadview K through eight. It's next to a school. What's going to have to happen to one of those kids before that homeless encampment gets swept out of there? I mean, in Chop and Chaz, you had to have a couple of people, you know, a couple of young black kids get murdered. That's what had to happen there before it got swept out, before it got cleared out by the Seattle Police Department. Um, how many 911 calls had, did we have to have in Denny Park in downtown Seattle, in Denny Triangle area? I covered that. It's just, you know, incident after incident after incident. And then some people would go running through there and go, ah, it's not that bad. It's not that bad until somebody dies, Right. So that is that literally what we're waiting for? It needs to happen right now before somebody else is killed, he said. Unfortunately, here's the deal. 
There are so many of these going on that the city of Seattle literally can't keep up. Same thing with the city of Portland, literally can't keep up. They're scrambling, trying to get housing together. They're scrambling, trying to sweep these homeless encampments while we're not sweeping. I mean, you, you see it in, uh, down in California and German and Venice and in all of his work. When he, when he goes around, they're, you know, they're sweeping encampments and then those people just go right back into a neighborhood. I did one, um, what was it? I think it was in Portland. It was a long read. It was like an hour long podcast of mine, kind of detailing from a whole bunch of different perspectives. Um, the people that go out and talk to the homeless and, you know, offer them housing, the homeless themselves, you, you know, the police that have to deal with the 911 calls and the fire department calls. The neighbors who have to put up with all this while they're trying to live, people walking their dogs, everybody's trying to, you know, keep things held together. The city doesn't have enough resources to make it all go, doesn't want to go. Leadership in these cities is like, oh, let's let them be. Literally in the Broadview K through eight school with the encampment on school uh, district property. The school district, a couple of members of the school district literally came out on Facebook and said, we oppose sweeps. All right. Compassion for your fellow homeless person. Where is the compassion for those kids going to school there? How does that work? Where's the compassion from the parents having to pick up their kid from school wondering, is this that day I roll up and there's police everywhere? There's cops everywhere because something has gone wildly sideways. And you got kids looking out from school, seeing, you know, sex acts and drugs and ODs. I mean, those have been news stories of things happening on the daily because that is what happens at these homeless encampments. Unfortunately, that's a certain part of it. There are homeless people that treat this very differently, treat it as a total interim spot until they get their self back together. But then there's also lifers that are mainly responsible for all this other craziness, right? They're just this is a lifestyle for them. So how much do we have to take as citizens before we get to this point of it needs to happen right now, clearing out the camp before somebody else is killed? I don't know, feels like we're going to take a lot feels like it's going to take a lot because there's so many of these different issues that are all kind of impacting the same thing. And it's, uh, you know, it's a big deal. It's a big situation going on right now. And there's federal funding coming in and we're trying to and then you've got the whole uh, eviction moratorium because people are freaked out that we're going to have even more homeless dumped on the streets, a system that literally can't take any more than is already there. And you're going to burden that with homeless encamp, you know, more homeless going into the encampments, because we shut down the economy and everybody lost their jobs. And now they're having a tough time making rent. And we're trying to get the federal funds into the hands of the landlords. And it's just not going well. Again, shocking. But you've got so many of these situations that have kind of all come about at the same time. And we're trying to send, you know, employers are trying to send their employees back into these downtown business areas, because that's where all the big buildings are where people work. So you've got this responsibility by the city to clean up these streets. And they're trying and yet you've got so many homeless living on the streets. It's tricky. 
Because the minute you clean up one encampment, boom, they go over there. And that's that was kind of the one of the points to the story that I read about the you know the the really long podcast I did recently that um you know the the guy is responsible for moving his belongings to somewhere else and he just moves down the street, sets up and just, you know, this little sliver of land, calls it good, starts over. That's how the whole whack-a-mole thing happens with the homeless. They just go from area to area, kicked out area. Need to get some permanent solutions together. That's a whole nother thing, right? All these crazy, crazy stories going on. Stories that are not new, but having a homeless encampment in City Hall Park where known crimes have been committed, that people have lost their lives. That to me kind of says, all right, you need to do something right now, Johnny on the spot. As this story continues, I will bring it to you right here on the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Why are we talking about sweeping a homeless encampment in Seattle? Because this is the stuff that's going on that cities are not addressing. And it's affecting a lot of communities, communities that we sell homes in, communities that we do appraisals in, and it impacts communities. There's no way to get around that. Some people might say, ah, it's not that bad. You want to let them just kind of do, you know, do the stuff on their own and, and not worry about them. Well, when you've got this kind of influence happening, that's not good. You got to talk about it. You got to raise awareness. Hey, this is why the homeless encampments are a no go. This kind of thing, this kind of influence. And this is next to the courthouse. Nobody cares. Hey, there's cops crawling all over. Nobody cares. Judges are in there. They could judge, they, you know, sentence you. Nobody cares. It's just a free for all. Need to get this under control. Crazy stuff. All right. That's it for me. That's it for me on this one. Thanks so much for being here. If you found this content either interesting or helpful or whatever, love to have you, have you hit that subscribe button. Hit the like for this video. Hit the notification bell. We are releasing two, two podcasts a day, Monday through Friday, and then one on Saturday and Sunday. So love to have your support. Thanks for being here. I'll catch up with you soon. We'll talk then. Bye for now. to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.